welcome to the weekly podcast of River Valley Church. We're glad you're here. Our heart is to lead people to Jesus and launch them into their God-given purpose. So we pray you would encounter God in a fresh, new way today. To learn more about our church, visit rivervalley.org. Now, let's tune in to this week's message. We are going to start uh, this series on love. Do you like it or do you love it? Before we do that, real quick, don't look for this, okay? Don't look because it all makes all sorts of noise. But in your welcome packet, there's these get involved cards that I forgot to announce because I was so excited about Tori and Elizabeth. And, uh, but they're there places for you to serve. You don't have to look, but if you fill that out, turn it into the church, uh, we will contact you for places to serve. I don't want to forget that because some of you are looking for a place to serve, and we have areas where you can make a difference in people's lives, all right? So we're starting this series, two weeks. Uh, do you like it or do you love it? And how many know that we're confused with those words? We use the word love when we should say like. We use the word like when we should say love. We say love for all sorts of things. The same, I love my shoes, I love my car, I love my family, I love the Lord. How many know what I'm talking about? We, we have all these different things. So today we're going to look at the four words that are in the Bible for love. And then I'm going to specifically give a little bit of a teaching to those that are single in our church. About 50% of our adults are single. That's because we're a young church and we count anyone 18 and above as an adult. And so we have a young church and a lot of people are single. And so I want to give a word to the singles, and then next week we'll focus a little more on marriage. So today, as we look at love, love is something that we sing about. How many know that? All sorts of songs are uh, about love. I mean, Elvis, you got Love Me Tender. How many like Elvis? Two people, all right. Let's move it up. Let's move it up. The Beatles, all you need is love, okay? All you need is love. All right. Uh, you think about Tim McGraw said, I like it. I love it. He did like and love in there. Uh, Rihanna said, we found love. One of the top songs from last year, a uh, love song. We've got Christian songs. How many know the first song you learn in church is all about love, right? Jesus loves me, this I know. Right? That's the first song you learn. It's about love. Love is too important to get wrong. It's too important to mess up. We've got to get it right. And so people try to help us with love, and they come up with sayings. Some of them are not that good, like, you know, if you love something, let it go. If it comes back to you, it's yours. If it doesn't, it never was. <laughs> Who wrote that, you know? I saw one the other day. The last line was changed. It says, if it doesn't come back to you, hunt it down and kill it. And I was like, I was like, They're stupid saying too. Like, one, love means never having to say you're sorry. That is not true. I mean, I'm, I love you. I'm sorry. I love you. I'm sorry. You know, that's not true. 
Okay, but here's something that's a true saying, a great saying about love. Matthew 22, verse 37. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Man, that is the great commandment for us to love God with everything we've got. So if it's telling us to love him, what level of love does it mean? Where are we supposed to go with this? How are we supposed to do this? So let's look into this. And and really quick, one last thing. This is just a heads up for the guys here, all right? We're celebrating a holiday of love coming up in a few days. If you forgot, you now owe me, all right? So (laughs) Valentine's, it's coming up. And just so you know, Valentine's was invented not by Hallmark. Valentine's was invented because there was a guy, St. Valentinus. He was martyred for his faith. In Rome, in about A.D. 270, he was helping Christians to escape persecution. And as he was helping Christians to escape persecution, he was put in prison for this. And while in prison, he became a Christian. He wasn't even a Christian helping Christians, okay? And while in prison, he became a Christian. And what he would do is he would go and write to people before he died. He'd say, I love you, remember your Valentine." I love you, remember your Valentine. And he'd send letters out to the people that he loved, and he'd say, I love you, remember your Valentine. And so that's where it started, and now you know the rest of the story. All right, so now it's old. All right, all right, let's move forward. All right, four types of love. We're going to go with these quick. First word that's, that's used in the Bible for love is eros, all right? Eros is the first one, and it's a meaning of sexual love. And a word to the parents that are here, I'm going to keep this PG, Okay. This is a, uh, our philosophy, again, is we invest in the marriage nights, and then we speak very frank, like this Friday night, you know, we have our marriage night, that's, we're going to speak very straight, but in the service, we try to keep it PG here. But this is a, a sexual love, all right? This word is actually not used in the New Testament. It's not found in the New Testament at all. But yet, the way that we live today, it's almost like we are commanded to go after this. The world has chased after this type of love, eros. They've chased after it like it's the pinnacle, and it's nowhere near the pinnacle that God has for us, okay? But it still is a very important thing, and although it's not put within the New Testament, the concept is that within marriage, this is fantastic. Outside of marriage, it's destructive. This type of love was to be reserved for the marriage union, okay? It was meant to be there. That's why we're saying, keep yourself pure. That's why 1 Corinthians 6.18 says, flee from sexual immorality. All other sins a person commits are outside the body, but whoever sins sexually sins against their own body. It's saying, flee from these things. You're not made for this outside of marriage. You are made for this to be in marriage. Now, I know some people say, well, we don't really have this in our marriage. That's inappropriate. This should be part of married love. And don't throw the baby out with the bathwater because you're like, well, that's eros. That's where we get the word erotica. That's where all this. No, no, no. The foundation of this love, and we don't have time to go into all this, It is a passion word. It is an energy word. It is a creation word. It's a conception, conceiving word. And we understand more about our creator God by this form of expression of love. But again, within marriage, good. Outside of marriage, bad. And the rest of the teaching on this will be Friday night. All right, so moving on. 
Second type of love, storage. I'm just going to hit this one real quick. This love, storage, the word is on the screen, it's a friendly affection. A friendly affection. It says you should have like a, a friendly affection with people. Now the word storage itself is not used in the Bible. But the opposite of storage is. It's saying the anti-storage. Okay, let me explain that. It says in Romans that people are without natural affection. That word without natural affection is the anti-storage. Okay, it's saying they should be friends with people, but they've changed it to an unnatural thing. It should be a friendly affection. And now it has turned into a love-lover relationship. And it's saying you were never meant to be in a relationship with the same sex in a love relationship, eros. You were meant to have storage. You were meant to have a friendly affection. And it says that we have changed friendly affection to an unnatural thing. That's what it says in Romans. So it says the anti-storage is there. But that's what it says about it. So the third word. The third word is phileo. All right? This word is a word that means a family love. A family love. This is where we get like, brothers got a hug. How many know what I'm talking about, right? This is where we get, we're family. We're in this together. And if you take the word phileo, this family love, this brotherly love, and you add Adelphia to it, you get Philadelphia. Philadelphia is the city of brotherly love. That's the name of the city. That's what it means. Philadelphia means the city of brotherly love. And and knowing that I was going to use that illustration... I actually went and looked up the names of the cities where our campuses are, okay? So, Minatrista means gathering place by the water. So, we have a campus in the gathering place by the water. And uh, it's actually true, our campus is 200 yards off of Lake Minnetonka. So, we actually have a gathering place uh, by the water. Our Faribault campus uh, was actually named after a person, Jean-Baptiste Faribault, all right? And the way to say it is Faribault. And the T on the end is silent, and you offend everybody that is from that campus and his family members if you say Faribault, okay? So don't do that, all right? Valencia, how many like saying that? We have a Valencia, Spain campus. Valencia means strength and valor. So that's where Rome used to send their retired military to Valencia and give them retirement homes and say, you were full of strength and you are full of valor, you receive a reward in Valencia. So that's really cool. Then we have a Savage campus, and uh, it was named after Marion Willis Savage, who trained the horse Dan Patch. And uh, I got to say this, that every time I tell people we have a Savage campus, they laugh. They're like, savages? I mean, so I'm just saying. Anyways. And then our last campus, Apple Valley, uh, was named Apple Valley because one of the original builders put an apple tree in everyone's yard, and we used to be called Lebanon. And uh, they didn't want to name the community Lebanon. They named it Apple Valley. How many are glad they named us Apple Valley, right? (laughs) We're from Lebanon. So anyways, all right, phileo. Phileo is a deep love between friends. It's really a better word that would be, I like you a lot. I like you. It's a high level. It'd be before really saying I love you in our culture. It's saying we're close. We're tight. I really like you. We have something that's bonding us together. Phileo says I like something about you. Therefore, I want to be around you. 
You add value to me. I may add value to you, but you add value to me, and I like this relationship. Phileo needs contact. It needs to be around the person that you're connected to. That's why you go to summer camp, and you meet a new friend, and you bond. And what is happening is phileo, and you're bonding. And then when you go away from camp, you know what happens? You drift apart because you're not around each other. And what you needed was contact. You needed to be doing life together. And so phileo says, I like you, you like me, you add something to me, I add something to you, and we're in this, and we're together in this, okay? Now, I want to let you know, in the Bible, this is what Jesus uses with Peter. Not phileo, he doesn't, but Peter answers. Jesus says, do you love me, Peter? And Jesus uses the fourth word that we're going to get to, the highest word of love, agape. He says, Peter, do you agape love me? And Peter says, I phileo you. I like you a lot. I will friend you. You know, we're friends. All right, we're in this together. And Jesus says, no, Peter, do you love me, agape, highest level? And Peter comes back, I, 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 I really, really, really like you. I phileo you. I, he's at that level. And Jesus is saying, are you at this level? And Peter keeps answering, no, I'm here. I don't get this level. Now, here's why he didn't get it. This level of love wasn't introduced until the New Testament. This love, agape love, our fourth word, is a self-sacrificing love. It's a love word that's never been used before. It says, I, I don't have to have something in common with you, and I choose to lay down my life with you. You could be my enemy, and I will give up for you. I will help you to be better. It says, while you're my enemy, I'm going to love you which is so countercultural to what's going on. And Jesus is saying, this is the way God loves you. You're his enemies, and he loves you so much that he sent me, and I'm going to lay down my life for you. Do you love me like this? This is God's love for us. It's at such a higher level. That's why Peter couldn't grasp it. That's why that culture couldn't grasp it. That's why when the early church grabbed a hold of this, it revolutionized the world because they're like, we're unlovable, and you love us. We're untouchable, and you touch us. What kind of thing is going on with people that call themselves Christians? They've got a higher level of love, agape love. It flows down from God to us, and from us it goes to the world, and it should transform the world. The world says, I phileo you. I love you because I can network with you and you can help me. God says, you can do nothing for me and I still love you and I'd lay down my life for you. Even better than that, he says, you hate me and I still love you in return. That's incredible love. That's the level that God is calling us to. It says, I seek the highest good for you no matter what. Our youth group actually has a word for this now. They say, I just love you. I just love you. It's like, I agape you. I'm taking it higher than just a friendship. I love you. I think that's pretty cool. 1 Corinthians 13 is this type of love, agape, highest level. John 15, 13 is this love when Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. This is the type of love we're supposed to have. 
This is how our church should be known. We should be known as the greatest lovers of all mankind. It should be like this, really. It should be like this, where a realtor should be able to brag, hey, you're moving in this neighborhood. They have six Christians. You are so blessed. There are six Christians in that neighborhood. They're incredible. They're going to love you. They're going to help you in your downtimes. They're going to love you no matter what. It's incredible to have six Christians in your neighborhood. But here's probably what they say. Well, watch out for the third house on the left. Crazy Christians. Watch out for that, right? It shouldn't be like that. It should be. You are so blessed to work at this company. We have so many Christians that are here. We have so many Christians that are here, and they are the most kind people. They will be with you. They will love you. They will take care of you. You're in with them just because they love you. It doesn't matter. They love you. It's incredible to work here, but it's not like that. If only we could love the church as much as God loves sinners. Think about that. We've got people here that are our brothers and sisters in Christ, and some of us are like, oh, boy, they're part of the family. And yet God says, I love my enemies. I love my enemies. We need to up the level that we love. We need to up the level that we love because God is calling us to love the world. In Matthew 22, 37 through 39, Jesus replied, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it, love your neighbor as yourself. So let me say this, it must be possible to do because we are commanded to do it, okay? It it can't be a feeling. It can't be like, well, I don't feel like loving my neighbor. No, you are commanded to love your neighbor like you love yourself. So agape love is a choice. Grab that. Agape love is a choice. I choose to love you even though you're unlovable in so many ways. I choose to love you. I don't have to have warm fuzzies. I love you just because God loves me and I'm going to love at that higher level. I choose to love you. Now think about this. No country has a law that says you have to love the people in the country. But the kingdom of God has a law, a command that you're to love. You could travel the world and you won't find a country that says our citizens must love each other. Instead, they say our citizens can't kill each other, run each other over, you know. I mean, they got all these other things, you know, can't do that. But the kingdom of God says you are commanded to love. That's a higher level. That is a, a love level that will transform the world. So that being said, we have these four words of love. We just looked at them briefly. Let me give a word to singles um, because we love singles. And uh, don't check out. If you're married, don't check out on me because you know somebody that's single. And part of you coming to church is to get this so you can go be ministers. Part of what you're supposed to do is kind of re-preach the sermon, okay? You're supposed to go now with this this week and you've been charged up. You got something new. You look for a God moment to use it and all the things you've ever learned. You are commissioned to go out into the world and make a difference. So don't check out on me just because you're like, well, I'm not single, okay? And next week, singles, don't stay home and watch online just because we're going to have something on marriage, all right? But we love marriage and we invest in marriage even when people are not married. We have pre-marriage counseling. So we believe in that. And if you're struggling in marriage, we give you marriage mentors. But this I'm backing up to another step. I want to speak to singles pre-pre-marriage. And if it's the Lord's will that you find someone in your life who you're going to marry, I want to just talk to you about how do you know that it's a healthy love? How do you know that it's a healthy relationship that it's moving in the right direction? Okay? Because here's what happens. In a relationship, it starts with phileo. 
I like you. I like you a lot. And I would say don't use the love word until you know that you're ready to go to the agape level. Okay? So you start in a relationship with phileo. I like you. There's things about you that I like. I like being around you. We're in this relationship. And you say, you make me happy when I'm with you. But when it's going to another level in a relationship and you're wondering, will this be the person for me? Because we get asked that a lot as pastors. Do you just have a word from the Lord? Is this the right person for me? Could you give me a word? And I'm like, no, we don't have that. You have to do that. God gives you the privilege of choosing who you're going to marry, okay? But these are things to help you. When you start saying, it's not just because you bring me pleasure, I want to make sure that you are overjoyed, that I can bring pleasure to your life. You say, you know, instead of like, I love these admirable qualities that I like and I see on the outside of you, you say, I love what I see on the inside of you. You're saying, I want to lay down my life so that we can do something together and be more effective for the kingdom of God. I value you. I treasure you. And that's what happens. Phileo love starts going to another level of agape love, of laying down your life, of saying, you know what? I, I, it's moving from like to love. Now, I went on the internet and found some things. And how many know you should not build your theology on the internet, right? Okay, but I sifted through these. Because I'm trying to get people to understand from like to love and having two teenage boys, you know, and I'm trying to help them. I thought about in this sermon, what would I want to tell them? How would I want to speak to Connor and Logan? And how would I want to speak to the singles that are here? How would I want you to learn to move from like to love? Okay? So one of the things I found said, love is choosing to be with someone as a wise friend said, forsaking all others. Love is seeing someone for who they are, baggage, bad hair, and all, and still being able to look them in the eye and say, I love you. Love is acceptance, understanding, patience, friendship, endurance. Almost sounds like 1 Corinthians 13 there. And all those things that sound so boring when you're 18 and full of hormones. But trust me, those things will become important when you get older. And this other one said, I'm trying to figure out if I love someone or like someone. They said, this sounds a little morbid, but I think of it in terms of how I react if they died. They said, if I like someone and they die, I'd be sad and I'd cry once or twice. If I love someone and they died, I'd be devastated and cry for days or weeks. But if I'm in love with someone and they died, I'd almost want to die too. Another way to learn, are you liking and loving? Where is it coming? And then somebody said, when you're with the one you like and they're crying, you want to comfort them. When you're with the one you love and they're crying, you cry with them. Some good advice there. Some good advice. It's something that we need to know. How are we going to go from like to love? And it's very important that we have good liking going on that could lead to a higher level of love that will lead to marriage. Okay, so let me explain this. There's good liking and bad liking. I want to talk about this for just a second. Good liking, when you like someone and it's a right relationship with them, you're making them better as they follow Christ. Your friend is making you better as as you follow Christ and you're making them better as they follow Christ. That's a good relationship to be in. That is a good liking, okay? And with this, you keep your walk with God strong, you stay involved in church, you stay involved in those things, you actually are helping each other to do more. It's almost like having uh, 
a, a trainer with you that's having you do more because they're there encouraging you. It's something like that. They're there with you and you're making each other better as you follow Christ. You start to glorify God together and do things together. It's very clear that a good liking relationship as a single that could lead to a marriage relationship needs to stay within sexual boundaries. It says, we're going to have phileo, we're going to have friendship, we're going to start here, we're going to see if this will bloom into agape, a higher level of love for one another. And if we make a marriage covenant, then eros will be added in. It stays within the sexual boundaries. Because here's what happens if it doesn't. If eros gets mixed into the relationship and it's out of order, here's what happens. Eros starts to drive the dating relationship. It becomes the thing that consumes you because eros becomes the pinnacle of the relationship. Phileo starts to die down because it's all about eros. And agape is nowhere to be found in that equation. But when phileo is done and you have a good solid friendship that grows into an agape love that says, I want to do what's best for you, it says we will table eros until we're married. And so a good one says agape, phileo, eros. A bad one, on the contrary, goes eros, phileo, no agape. Does that make sense? That's why your parents are saying, stay pure, don't get too physical, slow down, because it's a bad liking relationship that is not leading to the healthy way God wants you to live. Now, if you're being healthy and you're in this relationship, you'll actually start doing more for the kingdom of God together, and it's amazing. I can't tell you how many times people are doing ministry together that are single, and all of a sudden they're like, hey, we're kind of running the race together. We're leading life group together. Hey, this is, I like you, you like me, da-da. You know what I mean? It just happens, you know? Uh, Kirk and Kaylee were leading worship together when they were dating. They met at a worship service. They were leading worship there, and all of a sudden, here they are married today, leading worship together. They're running the race together, realizing we like each other. We have good friendship. We have this. It's grown to another level. We're doing this. We could help each other do more together. That's a positive relationship, a bad one, real quick. God becomes substituted by this other person. You are in a bad relationship if you want their advice more than you want God's advice. You start saying, well, what do you want to do? Do you want to go to church or not? Well, you don't want to go? Okay, we won't go. Hey, what do you think? Should we join the life? You don't know life group? Okay, no life group. Hey, should I go to this college or that college? Hey, should we do this or that? Should we? And it starts to become, what do you want? What do you want? What do you want? Not what does God want? And God becomes substituted with this other person. Instead of quiet time with God, it's quiet time with them. Instead of doing ministry for God, it's what can I do for them? And it's all about them, and it becomes out of whack. Your relationship with God becomes adversely affected. It's less and less and less time. I will never forget, we had a guy here that was a, a head usher, and he was just doing great, giving so much for the Lord, working like crazy, and all of a sudden he got in a dating relationship, stopped being an usher, stopped doing anything around the church, stopped coming to church. That's a bad relationship. Just took him off the path. He's not here anymore. You know, that's a bad relationship. And of course, a bad relationship, we talked about it. It crosses the line sexually. It puts eros at the top. That is a wrong relationship. And in a world that chases after that, singles, you've got to say, I'm holding that for marriage. I'm holding that for marriage. Because today's day and age, we have people that have love interests, not covenant relationship. And that's unacceptable. It's a covenant relationship that waits until marriage and it stays in the proper order. 
And let me tell you this, you have the right to choose your spouse, and the one you chose, love them. Choose to love the one you chose. Does that make sense? Choose to love the one, you chose them, love them. You know, I was in India not that long ago, and they said, you know, we have arranged marriages, we don't even know the person, and we choose to love them, and it's working pretty good. You guys choose the one you want to love, and it's not working so well. Maybe you ought to have arranged marriages, you know? <laughs> How many want arranged marriages? I thought the parents would all raise their hand like, I do. It just... Okay. <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, choose the one and then love the one you chose. And listen to those warnings that are there. So singles, I hope this helps you. It starts with phileo, a friendship. It's there. It's the family. You're, you treat each other with respect. You're in the body of Christ. They're your brothers and sisters in Christ. And then as you start to have that attraction and you have that deeper love that you say, I could lay down my life. I could spend the rest of my life with this person. I want the best for them. I think together we could do more for the kingdom of God than we do apart. There's something here. Then you add that third. You add that eros. And keep that in that proper order. And I promise you, that will be the, the great joy. It's the way God meant it to be. It'll bring the fulfillment that you're looking for, and it's the right way to live. So I want to pray for all of our singles, and I pray for our church. If we could bow our heads, I just want to pray for you before we close. So Lord, I pray right now for the singles in our church, and I pray that they would be strong in this. They're, some of them are in dating relationships. Some of them are, are just single. There's no relationship. And Lord, if it's your will for them to find someone, I pray they'd be patient. If it's your will for them to come into the covenant relationship of marriage, I pray that they would just keep it in the right order. Be patient. So Lord, I just pray for the singles again that they would live pure and holy in a world that has promoted Eros to the top. It's nowhere near the top. So I pray that they'd live pure in a world that chases after that and that says that agape is the top, not eros. Help them to be pure. If there's people that need to break up in a wrong relationship, I pray they would. I pray they wouldn't blame you, but they would say, I'm going to stand for my faith, and I've been violating my faith. I've been violating this, and I just need to stand up and be the man or woman of God that I need to be. And this relationship has become destructive, and I pray they'd have the courage to do that. I pray they'd have the courage to have the boundaries in place long before things get too heated. They'd have the boundaries in place to say, I will not elevate this love. This love will be held off. And I pray, God, that they take their time as a single and use that for the kingdom of God. The Apostle Paul said that they have more time to give to the things of God. And so I pray that they'd realize this church wants them to be leaders. This church wants them to lead ministries and give that time and to do what others that are married can't do. And they could use that valuable gift of time to make a difference for the kingdom of God. So I thank you for that. Blessings upon our singles, Lord. Let them stand as lights in this world. And now for all of us, help us to live these loves in the proper context, in the proper way, and to pursue agape love so the world can see that God loves us so much. While we're yet sinners, you loved us, you died for us, and now because of that love, we freely give a higher level of love to the world. We freely give a higher level of love to our neighbors. We give a higher level of love to the people we don't even like because you say we're to love them. So thank you for that. Help us to walk this in the way we need to walk it. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. Can you